Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Lutch House and you're listening to the Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, promise can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, just thank you for today and just providing for us and providing a way for escape for us and also just showing us your way before we even have to have a way of escape from what we've done. And Lord, I also just thank you for giving us back sevenfold of what the enemy has taken and just blessing us abundantly. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. We're continuing our study in 1 Corinthians. And with that, can I get a volunteer to read from... Uh, we're in chapter 6, verse 12 through the end of the chapter, please. I will. All right, Kyla. It says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the, for the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and are you not your own? And you are not your own, excuse me. For you were brought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm-hmm. All right, so as is our custom, I'm going to open the floor to each of you first to share what the Holy Spirit speaking and ministering to you. And, of course, to ask any questions that you may have. Okay? Yes. So we'd like to begin. What's up, sir? I was just looking at verse, um, verse 16 where it says, Two shall become one flesh. And thinking about what Mr. Dean said last time we were talking about um how Mr. Dean gave the example of, of the, the guy with the two papers. Yes. So when you pull them apart, when you glue them together and you two pull the two sheets of construction paper apart, they're still the colors are intermingled, I guess is a proper way to say that. And residue, as it were. Yes. Well, more than that, but and a tearing of one, there's a hole left or something is removed from one and it's not whole and in its entirety. Is that right? Yes. All right. Go ahead. 
And also how Apostle says the same with the Lord. That when he says right here, but he who is drawn to the Lord is one spirit, is one spirit with them. Which, it just brought me to another conclusion how when you're with the Lord, when you're following, when you're joined together with the Lord, then you'll be in sync and step with them, if you will. And not that you necessarily lose parts of you, but you end up, <clears throat> let me rephrase that, you end up filling in the gaps. You gain what God has. When we become one with him, we take part. He's all good, so there's nothing evil or wicked or bad in him. So his goodness comes into us, and we get to have that as our own. Good. And also, there's the other part that we shouldn't be splitting apart the Lord. When we're one with the Lord, we should stay, stay as one with the Lord and be in sync and step. And that's how you get to a place with where Jesus was. He said exactly what the Father said and did what the Father did. You know, she's interesting. I haven't realized that before. All right. Well, amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. What else? And I also have something else. Okay, we'll <laughs> okay go ahead, honey. This is also another part in where Paul talks about in verse 16 where he's talking about your body is the temple of the Lord. The Lord is just showing that, look, like what mommy said, that was mommy. Last time we were at devotional, she talked about not this, she talked about the same thing that Paul's talking about. And how when you defile your body, you end up not necessarily defying the Lord, but you also end up splitting yourself with the Lord and you're not you're not getting anything, you end up ripping you end up ripping pieces out of yourself. Oh. And how the Lord's telling me that when you defile your body, you're not necessarily defiling the Lord. Like you're not doing anything to the Lord. You end. You're you're doing this action to yourself, and that brings up other diseases that's caused by this. And how when they do these actions, they're not blessed. They end up shortening their lives. All sin, the penalty of is death, right? The, yes. the penalty of sin is death, and the culmination of all sin is death. And the sin within the body does bring something, an added component of bondage with it. And um, lying will deteriorate the life of any believer and the quality of that life, just like any other sin will. Lying, um, being um, disrespectful to your parents, etc., etc., However, when you use your body in the sexual immorality and sexual sin, it has a different kind of bondage that comes with it that is difficult to escape. Not impossible. With God, all things are possible. Um, but you certainly will need him to deliver you from that. Lying is a choice in most cases. You know, there's, that's aside from um, somebody being demon-possessed and things of that nature. But lying is a choice. Just like all sin is a choice initially, but um, 
sexual sin in particular, because of how it impacts the body, has just a different way that it plays out in the life of the person who engages in it. Without going all in back all the way into that again. Promise it's pretty neat how you uh, remember what we talked about with the piece of paper and putting them together and how some of the residue of each is left on the other one. And as you were talking about that, it just made me think about um, all the different types of ways that we connect building materials together. So um, uh, when we're working with different types of pipe, we may be brazing it, we may be welding it, we may be soldering it, we may be fusing it, we may be chemically welding it, and that's glue, but it's a chemical weld. All of those um, are susceptible to foreign material. In other words, anything that gets into or in between the two materials being joined together weakens the total joint. And so I think the same would apply here. And every relationship that we have that's outside of Christ, because of the residue that's left, weakens the connection that we have with our Lord and Savior. And although, like you said, can be, so God can redeem any of it. He can, you know, there's not, not anything to stop him there. It limits our ability in the richness and the fullness of the relationship that we get to have with him and the the more that i think the more that we bring into that quite possibly the longer our journey is in that purifying process of removing those impurities there so that 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 bond can be fully strengthened and fully developed and it's no different than what god was sharing with the israelites is look when you go in i want you to destroy all these other gods i don't want this foreign material in here that's going to weaken the joint and so it's really important for us to protect that and if we don't understand the value of what that relationship with christ is it um makes it easier for us to allow those things to kind of slip into there and so having that depth of understanding of how important that is above everything else is the mindset we need to protect ourselves against allowing those things to come in in the first place Also, the Lord is showing me something else. In word, in my Bible, it says, the two, he says, shall become one. There's, it says, and if you go to Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father, and mother shall be joined, and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. <clears throat> and the Lord showing me that when Paul brought this up, he wasn't just talking about having... Defining your body, but also having the wrong kind of relationship. Having the wrong kind of bond with the person. When you bond with that person, and you split with them, there's still that residue on you. Mm-hmm. I want to, um, if we can for just a moment, take a, take a stroll back to Psalms chapter 1. Excuse me. And we're just going to read a, the first few verses here. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. 
The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Actually, that was the whole first chapter. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, anyway, and then I also want to go and take a look at Proverbs 4, verse 14. And that verse simply by itself just says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. But I want to go back up to verse 10 and read to verse 18 as well. It says, hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they, have, unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Both of these verses, <clears throat> excuse me, are akin to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in the first we read in Psalm chapter 1, David is sharing what clearly God has ministered to him. And he's saying, he's, he's talking about being where we should put our feet, where we should not put our feet. And there's a why. Why does he say for us to choose to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. Why? Because if we do and when we make that choice, we'll be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. That'll be our outcome and the end result of what we do. And likewise, in Proverbs, Solomon, David's son, is sharing what his daddy told him, which is what the beginning of psalms is what his dad learned but this is what his dad taught him and he's saying to him all these things why did he tell him this he's telling him it so that when he walks his steps won't be hindered and that when he begins to run he won't stumble so that he'll have the outcome that both ultimately he wants and that god wants for him when we're talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and all of 1 Corinthians up until this point, it's been how the believer should carry their life, how they should go about, <clears throat> excuse me, how they should go about perceiving life that's before them and the choices that they should make and the actions that they should take. Because when you stand in the counsel of the ungodly or when you, when you take their counsel and you begin to enact it, when you stand on their path, um, the end result of it is going to be exactly what the end result was listed here in Psalms and in Proverbs. If you don't do those things, you won't stumble. But if you do join in with the wicked, you will stumble, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. All this that Paul is talking about is giving us insight to what happens 
when we depart from the way that God set for us. When we look back also at Genesis, when God made everything, he said, what about it? It was good. It was good. He wants us to have a good quality of life. And sexual immorality, while it seems all the counsel of the ungodly says, well, what does it matter? Just do it. I mean, you feel it, do it. You want it, take it. It's there. Why not have it? But God's saying there's a consequence to that. Not that God is punishing you, but this is the natural result. You're, you're going to stumble. If you begin to take counsel from the world, you're going to stumble. When you, and the, the phrase, nor stand in the path of the sinners, that means don't even let your, free, your feet touch it or rest upon their path to ponder it. Is this good? Could that work out for me? Don't even allow yourself to do that because the outcome of it is not for your, better, your betterment. It's not for your benefit. It's to your harm. So often, I think that so many of us are unknowingly influenced by the world before we're even old enough to understand the influence and the impact of the influence. So uh, when I was growing up, it was um, it was clearly implied by culture that if you were not having sex with somebody that you had affections for, you were somehow less of a person, less of a man. And um, so the fact that you couldn't do that made it sound like there was something wrong with you. The value of the purity was never even offered as something. God is never trying to limit us. He's trying to bring us into fullness. So I just, mm-hmm. while you were saying that, just real quick, queried mm-hmm. correlation between sexual partners and cancer. Mm-hmm. And this is a study in Harvard Medical Review, and it just says that uh, men who had 10 or more partners were 70% more likely to have cancer as opposed to those that had zero or one partners, and women were 90% more likely. Mm-hmm. This, isn't, this isn't about prohibiting you. It's about protecting you. That's and it right. can go much deeper into it, but the world doesn't teach us that. Right. And, and like I said, so often the influence of the world comes in before we even have an we're old enough to understand what that's doing and the culture's had such an effect on us and now since the bible is brought into question so much about the validity of it and can it be true and and it always talks about how god's trying to stop you and god's trying to punish you and that's never what was intended by his word no absolutely and his word is to make sure we have quality life that we're preserved in the world and kept into the day of salvation that's the whole point of it when god is the one who instituted the marriage covenant it was his idea first. So how can someone have a better idea about what it should be or should not be aside from the creator? Yeah, this isn't a godly organization <laughs> yeah. with the study. Yes, that, exactly. Uh, just, just isn't a Christian organization that did the study. Exa- oh, yes, exactly. I just mean the world's perspective of what you should do with your body and what's the appropriate use of it and when, when the marriage covenant is good. God has a perfect place for um, our bodies to be used sexually. Um, he's got a perfect place for our finances. He's got a perfect place for bearing children. He, I mean, everything that we could go through as human beings, God has made a, a place for it. And his place is good. However, when we take counsel from the ungodly, the, the study you're talking about, Dean, is just verifying what God has already said. The penalty yeah, of sin is death. The ungodly don't even take their own advice. Exactly. Because it, it lines with God's word and they'll do anything to prove, to, to, to turn against God. Absolutely. And 
even in that, even in their attempt to prove God wrong, they still prove him right. Because you can't disprove God. It's an impossibility. There's no counsel against the Lord. <laughs> there is no counsel against the Lord. So that being said, as Paul is talking to us here and going, abstain from these things. Don't consider or take it into your mind as though somehow it's valid. There's one iota of truth or good in it because there's not. God made you to be one with him. Think about that, how incredible that is. We are made to be one with God. I can't imagine anything more significant or more potent or better in the life of any human being. And then also, and he's layered within that, the marriage covenant. You know, Dean, like you were the, the example you gave with the construction paper. I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to be left um, bankrupted emotionally and empty and to have the feeling of being unloved or I just can't get things right. But the sexually immoral, they imprint different images onto them every time they engage in sexual immorality, every time they engage in um, that kind of sin in the body. So not only promise are they tearing themselves away from God, but now they're stamping themselves with something that is putrid and defiled. Now, God is a lover of all of us. He created us. He knows how to wash us and clean us. He, he's not hindered by sin, except in the point that we hinder him and depart from him. Sin does not stop God from rescuing us and delivering us. He loves us. There's nothing too hard for him. But what it does is it pulls us apart. And then that place that was meant for your husband, daughters, now you've put someone else's image in there. And a twisted and tainted image at that. Sons, the place that's made for your wives, you put someone else's image in there. And then let alone, you know, like the study, five and six and seven and however many faces that you've put in there, however many um, identities you've placed there, agendas that you've placed there, and it's all twisted because none of it was what God said for you, then what do you have? Something that is ineffective to function in its true purpose, which is to come into a beautiful relationship that God has for you. And that relationship be clean and be pure and be whole and undefiled. And that's what's beautiful. That's what brings quality to people's life and satisfaction. The, the one who engages, and you know, there's actions that were listed. And for the sake of this particular chapter, we're talking about um, sexual immorality in particular. Um, all of those actions are not without a result. A consequence. And <clears throat> is it that God is against the homosexual, that he doesn't love them? No, is that homosexuality is not good for them on any level, their spirit, their soul, or their body. Is he against the harlot? A hoe, they would say today? A whore, is he against her or him? No, he loves them and he died for them just like he did anyone else. Their sin does not require any more of God's blood, of Jesus' blood, than something that seems nice to and pleasant to our eyes. And that didn't just change today. No. All right, I'll look at the Battle of Jericho. Was it not the, the prostitute, the harlot, whore, whatever? What do you want to phrase it? That was saved. Mm -hmm. Her and her whole family. 
Now, did it require a change in actions and behavior? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. She had to submit to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But she chose that mm -hmm. willingly. It wasn't forced upon her. And that's, I think that's part of the reason why we, um, we, can, we can get lost or carried away in some things, right? We all have a choice. We can choose to come in under the blood of the Lord and be saved. Or we can reject it. We can reject his grace and his mercy. And then so doing, though, we've received, we fully receive the outcome that happens as a result of rejecting the Lord. Which means we spend eternity in hell. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. And the Lord doesn't want that or desire that. right? It says very plainly in Scripture, He desires that all will come to Him, that all would be saved. Mm -hmm. Scripture tells anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, well, then there's also a remaining. We must also remain. We can, must continue to walk with Him. To remain under His covering. Under His wings or, or under the blood. Mm -hmm. We can't dip in and out. Mm -hmm. We must continue. Mm -hmm. and, and Paul, in this scripture, he addresses all of that here. But it's not the first time he addresses it. We, we briefly, well, I'll say, the last episode we talked in, in verse 12, it says, All things are lawful for me, but all are not helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. What does the enemy, and even us as people, try to do when we hear what we know is true and right? Discount it, get rid of it. <laughs> exactly. Get rid of it. Eliminate it from being a thing. Right? Or the person that's saying it. Exactly. If we can't get rid of it, there are always attempts to get rid of the individual. And you trace that all the way back to Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Well, Paul refuses to, I'll say, allow that to happen. And you see that especially in Acts 20. Um, in Acts 20, chapter... Oh, sorry, chapter 20. Verses 17 through 20. He's addressing the church at, at Ephesus, and or the Ephesian church. But in verse 20 and 21, he says, I'll, say, I'll read from 19 through 21. He says, Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. We see that same thought throughout all of Paul's writing and teaching. He says, I'm going to repeat it again. It's a safeguard for you. Peter says something very similar. For me to repeat these same things is not a big deal. Right? But it's safe for you that I repeat them. Why? Because we don't always get them correct. Even though we heard it and we know it's truth, many, unfortunately, have not adhered or applied what's been taught. They want to, I want to go discover it for, for myself. And, and I know because I, I did the same thing. I don't condone any of that behavior. But I'm not sitting, I'll say, in an elevated position casting stones at anyone. Mm -hmm. I fully acknowledge what I did, all the things that I did, which were against the Lord. But I can also, in that, know and acknowledge that the Lord can pick me up, clean me up, 
wash me white as snow. Did he uh, enjoy my actions? Absolutely not. They were so opposed to him. But yet he still loved me enough that he could deliver me, save me, and give me a ministry, a place where I could now do what is pleasing to his sight or the opportunity to be pleasing to him. Um, so I, I love this this part because Paul is saying, I'm standing steadfast in this. I'm not going to be silenced. I'm not going to be pushed away or done away with, but I am going to, again, bring these things to you, to again instruct you to the church in Corinthians. And, and, but it also amplifies what he's saying as a father. Right? He's saying, as a father, I'm going to do these things. You're, you've had many teachers, but not many fathers. But I, as a father, as your spiritual father, if you will, we're, are going to, to re-educate you, to re-instruct you on what I've already taught. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to ensure, uh, if you will, that I enforce it as a standard in my house or over my, my house because it's good and it's right for you. Does that make sense? So you see that same mindset, but he did this any and everywhere. There weren't double standards for different places. There was one standard for all. And, and then he goes into, still, while still addressing his core topic, if you will, of sexual immorality and how detrimental it is for us as believers. It's detrimental for everybody, but especially for us as believers because we should already know what's right. He then gives another example of food, right? Foods for the stomach, that's verse 13, and the stomach for foods. But God will destroy them both. Um, as I read that, I'm reminded of Peter, also in Acts, Acts 10, where he has the vision mm-hmm. of all these these animals and this food coming down that are redeemed unclean. But in there we also see the difference, right? Because the Lord told Peter, hey, no, it's okay. Go kill the animals, eat them, it's okay. But then we saw the, the point and purpose of the Lord. It was to bring the, the word of the Lord and ultimately the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. That happened. Now, Paul says in all his writing, hey, don't do anything that is going to be a stumbling block for others. Right? So in all things, we should be led by the Holy Spirit in what to say, what to do. All right, we see that throughout well, all the prophets and, and everyone, especially Christ as a pattern, our pattern and example. Do what the Lord is leading and instructing you to do because what he is, what he is saying and what he is doing that's how you always know the difference. It won't violate anything that he's written in his word. If there is something that contradicts what's in his word, then clearly that wasn't the Lord. It was real simple. Um, but then, I promise you brought this up. You brought this great point about... Um, oh, let me find it. I just lost my place. Oh, verse 19, right? Your body is the temple. 
all right? And that you were purchased with a price. And I love that because Paul brings that up again later in chapter 11, where he's talking about instituting the Lord's Supper, right? And what does it say? He who eats or drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And then he says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Again, this also goes into, I'll say, the, the consequence of our actions, right? Because in the previous verse, that's, verse, that's chapter 11, verse 28 of 1 Corinthians, he's saying, examine yourself, Not, right? He also says in, in chapter 6, I won't be judged by any of you, right? And we, taught, we covered that in the last teaching, I believe, the last morning Bible study. So if you haven't had a chance, listen to that one and get the, the, full, um, uh, the full teaching of what we were saying there. But it's, hey, I'm going to judge myself. And the Lord is there to judge me, right, through his Holy Spirit to let me know if, if what I'm saying and doing is right. He will convict me. He will let me know this isn't right, and then I can address it, not leave it there. But I can do something about it. I can bring it into the blood. The whole point of communion is, we're remembering what the Lord did, but it's also a, a communion is, is fellowship and is closeness with the Lord. How can we be in communion or in fellowship? How can we walk together with the Lord unless we are in agreement? And how can we be in agreement if we are purposefully, willfully choosing to do things that are against the Lord? and against what he is saying and has instructed us, both personally through his Holy Spirit and in his word. It's the point, part of the point that, that Paul is making here in chapter 6. right? And then he goes in, hey, this, for this reason, these are the outcomes, these are the consequences. This is the reward of the actions that are against the Lord. The wages of sin is death, right? Many are weak, they're sick, right? they're they're not where they should be. That's with all sin. Now, in this case, he's addressing specifically sexual immorality. But he makes this very interesting statement in there, uh, in chapter 11, verse 20. That, yeah, you drink, eat and drink in an unworthy manner, you drink judgment to himself. But then he says, not discerning the Lord's body. It's not about the four walls of a church building. Right in, in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 6, he's saying, you are the temple. You are the Lord's temple. You're defiling yourself. Right? We are to be clean. And we can't do it of our own. Without the Lord, we can do nothing. Right? But we still have to choose to come into alignment, to walk in agreement with the Lord. And that's a choice for, every, for each of us. Okay. Thank you, honey. So what happens for the believer that has maybe made choices to, or not even the believer, but the, any person that has made choices but wants to come out of that? What's the, how do you get out of that, that place? And I, I also want to point this out really quickly before I go into that part of it. 
the enemy wants to capture the minds of people in order to bring them into bondage. Capture their minds, then begin to influence the works, their actions, what they do with their bondage, their body, in order to bring them into bondage. So the idea or the thought that, oh, it's just a little bit, it doesn't make a difference, it doesn't matter, or I'm only looking at it, I'm only thinking about it, it doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference. That's why the Lord tells us to guard, right? And that's why he gives us his word. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us his blood to guard against the, um, the strategies of the wicked one. So the suggestion that God doesn't really know and it's really not what he's talking about and it's just a little bit of sin or if I just look at it, it's okay. Or if I just think about it, it's okay. If I just entertain it in some way, it's okay. Remember, Psalm says don't stand in the path, right, um, of the sinners, of the, the scornful, the wicked, etc. Don't do that because the consequence is it's to bring you under bondage, right? So that being said, we have the armor of God to defend against it, but what if we've already stepped over into something we should not be in? Are we just doomed? Does God hate us? Absolutely not. No, of course not. Jesus' blood died for our sins, all of them, okay? And I understand what the gospel says about the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, okay? But most people don't even know what that is. And that's for someone who knows who God is and speaks against the Holy Spirit. So be at peace and rest and know that God is good and he's faithful, okay? I'm not trying to overturn what God said. God said what he said. Mm -hmm. But I'm also giving you comfort to know that if you don't even know what it is, it's a pretty good chance that you haven't done it. Okay? That's a willing, full, knowing sin. Okay? Um, so back to what we were talking about. His blood still died for you, and it's enough to set you free. However, and in addition to that, I'll say that. That's not a negative your willingness, your desire to be free is what brings the initiation of that journey to freedom. If sin is your friend, then that person should have no expectation of being made free because you like it. You want it. How can you drink right? from the cup of angels and demons? If you desire to continue in an action, especially once you found out that this is not God's best for you, if you desire to continue in it, then you'll continue in it. If you desire not to continue in it, God can work with that. He'll come in and help you. There's, there's no question in my mind that he will deliver you. But if it's something that you like, then how would you ask to be delivered? What could you, you hope? You don't want to be delivered, right? Okay. So when we go, okay, God, I don't like this anymore. Just like we come into salvation. Okay, God, I don't want to be separated from you anymore. Then we can start that journey. Okay? Then, once you decide that you're done with it, invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And when he does his work, understand and know, despite the attempts of the enemy to bring remembrances to your mind, to bring um, further contact with said thing. When God says you're delivered, you're delivered. So um, we'll pray about that at the end of this, um, this study today. But ask God to help you and deliver you from that evil. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And it's not complicated. And believe when you ask him that he will do what you've asked of him, right? Now, as far as what you do following that, you believe it in your heart and you receive it. It's finished. The enemy's going to come back and go, hey, don't you remember? You like this. We always did this before. Here's this thought. Here's this suggestion to your mind. Your job is to not entertain it anymore. Go, no, God delivered me from that. And it'll be difficult at first. But over when you repeat your declining to engage those thoughts or behaviors anymore, it'll get easier for you to continue in that path. You'll be built up and stronger. Every time you say no, every time you don't go back and entangle yourself again, you'll become strengthened to keep going forward. If you fall and go back to those things, God will, he will still keep delivering you. You have to come back and repent now, but it's better for you to keep going straight ahead. Okay. And that means you have to restrain yourself and realize the suggestion is not from you. It's from the wicked one to get your mind. And then if he can get your mind, he can get your actions. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So resist those thoughts when they come back. Resist those suggestions. It might mean you have to separate yourself some, some, from some relationships if they're causing you to sin. And keep reaffirming your commitment to not do those things. And ask the Holy Spirit, help me to be strong, to resist. And he will. That's, that's who he is. He will always help us when we ask him to. Rahab came out because she desired it. If you go back and study that Rahab the harlot that you were talking about with Jericho, mm -hmm. she made that request. Exactly. That was her choice. They didn't say, Rahab, we're going to make you come out of there and you're never going to do this again. No. So likewise... When you are ready to be done with it, when you're ready, when it's no longer your friend or something that you find of value, God will be there and answer. He'll help you. Okay? And then you have to keep making choices to resist. And before you get there, the suggestion, the thought, the attempt to entice, that's all from the enemy. Keep saying no. I'm just going to say, um, hopefully to encourage, you know, that um, while God sometimes seems to deliver people from certain things, completely remove their appetite for whatever sin they may be in, uh, he also sometimes allows that to take of a process. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. So um, allow God to work in you the way he's working in you. Uh, if you take that in the natural realm, um, many times when I try to maintain my diet better, if I move away from processed sugar, I find that things start to taste differently. So when I have a lot of processed sugar in my diet, I notice that strawberries have a hint of sour to them. Mm -hmm. But if I remove processed sugar from my diet over the course of a few months, strawberries are extremely sweet. They don't have that sour flavor. And it takes a while for that process, for that appetite to change from what was not good for me to what is good for me. And so my favorite prayer is, God, help me to want what you want me to want. Amen. And just trust him in the time frame in doing that. So. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So hopefully you're encouraged to start that journey. God is not God is not trying to turn anyone away. He loves us all, and he wants the, his best for us, which is absolutely good. It's only good all the time. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you're struggling, there's no condemnation to you in any particular area. It's a matter of just reach your hand out to the Lord and let him help you and take you on that journey of reconciliation so that you're whole and sound. He just wants good for us. So... I think that's all I have to say right now. Did you say you want to pray about that? I will. Um, you guys want to, you ready to do that now, honey? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. Watch your Excuse me. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. And we thank you for your mercy that is so great towards us. Your tender mercies and your loving kindness. That's without end, God. And we, we know that you're a good God. And that your heart towards us is that you want us to be one with you because that's where we are safe. That's our place. That's what you've designed and created us for is to be one with you, to be in your warm embrace. And we just magnify your name, Jesus. You are our heart's desire. There's no greater appetite on the inside of us than that which is to be in your presence, Lord, to be one with you, to be your sons and your daughters, your children, Lord. We thank you that you are great enough, you are strong enough, you are loving enough, you're kind enough, and you're wise enough to deliver us from every trap of the enemy, from every ensnarement, even if we've driven ourselves into it, God, you are still faithful and Lord over us. We also acknowledge you and we raise you to your rightful place as our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Lord God, you know our hearts, you know our, our creation, you know our 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 frame, Lord God, and that it is weak. <laughs> and we can do nothing without you, Jesus. So we just bring everything that's not like you, every desire, every, every um, appetite, God, that we have looked into your word and we've seen that it is not like you, Jesus, and it doesn't glorify your name. We tell you, we're sorry, Lord. We ask you to forgive us and we just bring it to you, Jesus. And we ask you to love us anyway because we know that's who you are. Love us in spite of our flaws, Jesus, because you've already committed to do so. And we just take that love that you've already um, displayed and distributed towards us, God, that you've already shown us and dispersed it for us, God, and we just apply it to that area. We apply it to our minds and our wills and our emotions. We apply it to our heart. We apply it to our physical bodies. Your love for us, God, is enough. Your love for us is good, it's complete, it's entire, and it's thorough. And there's nothing about us that you can't look at. There's nothing about us that you don't love. There's no part of us. And every, and every action that doesn't look like you, Jesus, you'll help us through it. And bring us out on the other side. Mm. We are new creations in you, Jesus Christ. And we just lay those things down at your feet, Lord. And we... Cast our cares on you, knowing that you're the one who's able to perfect us. And we commit on our side to work with you, Lord. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand, God. And we ask you to help us to work with you. Help us to walk with you. Now, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And we just thank you. We accept our freedom in you, Jesus Christ. 
your people, Lord God, that are looking and waiting for you, Lord. Minister to them grace to their heart, God. Peace. I bind the spirit of condemnation, the spirit of distraction, and dissension, separation from you, Jesus Christ. I bind that up right now in your name, Lord Jesus. And I cast it out. And I loose the peace of God. I loose the love of God, the presence of God into their homes, their lives. And I saturate their minds. I cover them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet with your blood, Lord Jesus. I plead your blood over them, Jesus. In your name, Lord Jesus. From the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Inside and out, Lord God. I plead your blood, Lord, over their will. Their mind, their will, and their emotions. I bind the voice of the enemy. Shut up in the name of Jesus. I cancel every wicked assignment against your children, God. And I cast the enemy out right now. You are a defeated foe, Satan. And you have no standing or place here in the name of Jesus. Lord, you rule. You reign and you are God most high. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for peace in their homes. We thank you for clarity in their thoughts. That they can hear you. We thank you for you are the one that guards their heart and their mind. In Christ Jesus, Lord God. Now, people, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. Set your thoughts on whatever's lovely, whatever's pure, whatever's of a good report, whatever's holy, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's good, whatever honors and magnifies the name of Jesus Christ. Set your mind on these things. And the God of all comfort will keep you. He is a faithful God. We thank you, Lord, for restoration in those areas. Whatever's been stolen or broken, we, we loose the healing of God to it. We release that to their lives and their homes, their households, their family, their finances, anything and everything that concerns them. We loose your wholeness, your shalom, God, your soundness, your perfection to them right now. Nothing missing and nothing broken. We thank you, Lord. We just magnify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, most high God. We rest in you. We take it by faith and we call it done. It's settled and established. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We love you. We are praying for you. Without ceasing. So, go in the peace of God. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.